Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I am Kelly Patrick. Joined in studio this morning by my man Mike Gandolfo. Soon to be joined by the lovely Ashley Miller for our star-studded lineup. We bring to you every Sunday morning from 10 until noon. Talking about all things in the world of sports. Big weekend for sports across the board here in the United States. we got a ton to talk about. I I mean, mean, if you are hosting a sports talk show and you have shortage of topics this morning... I don't know what to tell you. And I kind of want to, you know, I, I want to get onto some of the Todd Gurley and Jameis Winston stuff once Ashley gets here because I'm interested in her take on a lot of that stuff. I think we got to start just with our local games. Uh, kind of what happened here uh, with the UVL in, in UK recently. I mean, uh, let's let's even let's start with the Cardinals because I, I just feel like you are there's they got to do something to get this offense going. I mean, I. I was and I was with a bunch of U of L fans and up in uh, Central Indiana watching this game and uh, cheering for the Cards. I I, I want to make no bones about that. I was I was pulling for U of L to be Clemson. I would love to see the state of Kentucky sweep the state of South Carolina. I'm there with you. Okay, and uh, they the their defense. First off, we got to praise Todd Grantham. I mean, especially in the first half, Clemson couldn't do anything. Sure. If it wasn't, they got a, and they, all they got was a special teams touchdown, and then when Bonifum fumbled, they got they returned it for the touchdown. That's the that's the only two scores. That's the only two times Clemson got in the end zone. So all this talk about how awesome Clemson's offense was, and I know they lost Sean they Watson, lost their, lost their their quarterback Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, but he still didn't he didn't really do much when he was in there. It wasn't like they were moving the ball. No, it didn't look like they were going to give Louisville fits by no. any stretch. And to hold their offense to three field goals, I mean, Louisville's and 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 then to even to go further than that point, you know, Louisville and Kentucky are both in the top five in the country for interceptions. So I mean, we got two defenses here that are really kind of playing a way above whatever we thought was going to happen and getting things done. But with that being said, there's got to be something Louisville can do for their offensive woes because it is. I mean, it's abysmal. I mean, they averaged like two and a half yards a carry or something like that yesterday. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was really, 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 really disturbing. And the big plays that were made almost seemed—I won't say flukish—but I mean, how often do you see Dominique Brown just have such a huge reception? Looked like a wide receiver out there. And I think there's like, exactly you're exactly right. I mean, but run the ball, he couldn't do anything. He hasn't been able to do anything all year. And then when you look he at scored uh, a touchdown, but. Um, you, when you look at they, they, Louisville went to one of the most hostile environments in the ACC, in the country, not just the ACC, and played good enough, didn't play well, but played good enough to, to win. I mean, they were on the two-yard line at the end of that ball game. I don't really, you know, we can, we can go back and forth about how the clock was managed in that last possession. That's something we got to talk about. <clears throat> but overall, I don't think Louisville fans can feel, I mean, yeah, the loss sucks because you know you didn't play your best. But I don't. You you were right there. I mean, I think that shows that Louisville's really not not that far off. Thank God Charlie left us such talent on defense. Charlie and Vance Bedford and Clint Hurt. Let's just call it how it is. They left the 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 roster stacked on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Because this offense, you're right, is abysmal. Will Gardner didn't look like he had any idea what to do when, with the seconds, twenty seconds left on the clock. He spiked the ball and wasted the third down. Did they have a timeout left, though? No. So so what should he have done? I think he should. He should have got everybody to the line of scrimmage and tried to throw the ball in the end zone and win the game. Yeah. Right There's no, no question about that. 
You need to have. You need to be prepared. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Good morning. I'm fantastic. I'm sorry, I had you off there. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you guys this morning? We're better now. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, uh, overall. Well, I have a question because unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, I hosted the Miss Jefferson County Scholarship pageant last night, so I didn't get to see the end of the game. And I lost again. You lost again. The Miss Jefferson, you know. I was oh, making a joke. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't judge. I would have picked you. Um why was Will Gardner in the game? <laughs> <laughs> well Bonifant isn't looking much better in he, my opinion. You no, know, and then when he yeah, both of our quarterbacks are subpar in my eyes. Gardner created more last night. Ugh. Well, I'm again and I'm gonna equate this to Kentucky's situation last year. It is no different. You have two band aid quarterbacks that you're just trying to get through the year with that neither one of these guys will ever will really ever emerge as the quarterback. I'm actually going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Bonifant doesn't even end up his career as the Louisville Cardinal. He transfers out to like a, a max school or somewhere like that where he really should be, where he should pl- where he could play. Whoa. Yeah. No, I I, I don't doubt it. I mean, you- I saw, I guess I saw up till halftime, and he looked pretty decent there. I, was, I wasn't thrilled with the way he was playing, but I wasn't totally disappointed either. Um, like he had a couple of long shots down the field that I was happy with to show the strength of his arm. However, the play calling was a little suspect for me in the first half and why we continue to run the ball into the middle of piles of people to get one yard or negative yards. So, I don't know. I honestly believe because I think if they start chucking around, I mean, this is have we seen the traditional Bobby Petrino offense where you got guys sitting down in the middle of defensive coverages where guys are just wide open with no one around for five yards. No, no, this is clearly a roster that is built in a different way. And back to your point about the defense for that Charlie Strong left with a bunch of defensive talent, you also got to give kudos because some of those defensive back guys were brought in through the JUCO ranks, right? Wasn't the, the guy who leads uh, all of the country in interceptions, wasn't he a JUCO guy? Or is he Not a JUCO. He went to a prep school, prep school. Okay. for a year. He was a, a U.S. Army All-American. You're talking about Gerard Holloman. Holloman. Not a, he was a, a, a five-star recruit that Charlie Strong and co. got alongside his high school teammate, Andrew Johnson, who both really turned into what Great I think players. will be NFL players. And then you got to – but I got to give a whole lot of respect to Ty Grantham because I don't know – if this defense plays as well under Charlie Strong as they do under Todd Grantham, to me, he is Todd has done a, a great job of figuring out how to, to run a system that best uses the playmakers that you have on defense. Yeah, and, they weren't they weren't playing at this level last year. And no point I mean, were were was anyone talking about U of L having the number one defense in the country. Yeah, ever. You're, you're right. Ever Lorenzo Molden is. I mean, it's it's totally geared towards, you know, letting him move, use his athleticisms. He knows he doesn't have the greatest size on that front line, but he's got guys that athletically are probably better than most of the guys they're going to line up against. And boy, and is they he use a that leader. Like no other. He is a leader. Oh, yeah. He's such a leader. Like, I would love to have a guy like that on my team. All right, now, you were mentioning the first half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I'm trying to figure out which drive you were talking about where you thought he looked good in the first half. Because um, their first possession, they had two yards, and they have negative six yards. Then they had well, 16, he had 25. One, a long shot down the field. Um, it was kind of early on. I don't remember. But it, they did have a 50 yard touchdown drive. That it, that was it. Yeah. Um, but then I also noticed that we were not um, passing the ball very much. We were running the ball a whole lot, which I didn't feel like made much sense because 
apparently, you know, their defense was covering the run very well. Uh, that was kind of disturbing because we have also seen um, Bonifant in other games be able to chip away and, um, you know, run those quick hitters, those four or five yard passes and be pretty effective. So I don't know. I just, I don't know what's going on with our offense. And then, Period. you know, everyone was hoping that they would have Devontae back. And, uh, you know, that obviously didn't happen either. Um, yeah, we can't, I mean, they can't rush him back either. No. I mean, because he's got a future to think about. Yeah, I mean, he's worked too much. On the, on the last drive of the first quarter, Reggie Bonifant hit Dominique Brown for a 39-yard gain. Right. And then Dominique Brown ended up running a, a, a touchdown. It was like a two-yard touchdown run or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, five-yard touchdown. Uh, something like that. Let's see here. And then back to Ashley's point about them chuck, run the ball down the gut. <clears throat> Brandon Ratcliffe, who has, to me, been by far their best runner all year, still only gets 11 carries. And I, why, no why is Dominic Brown getting more carries than that, that kid? I don't know. No Dominic Brown seems to be washed up. Maybe he, he never really was that great. I hate to be a hater. I hate to be so negative towards somebody. But Dominic Brown does not seem like he's the type of guy who who rises to the occasion and does very well against any type of a legitimate defensive threat. I mean, I, I just – I don't know. I just cannot imagine – um, what? How Bobby must be spending his evenings at night at home trying to figure out what he can possibly do? Because you know he's one of the greatest offensive brains in football, he's and he has got to be so frustrated right now. It's not even funny. He's not sleeping. No. And at the end of the day, the Cards still have the. This was the type of game that not many people expected us to win, right? Well, I said before the game that. It, w- it could potentially be a turning point in our season. It would have been a huge win by all means. Either it's going to get really good, or this next month is going to be super frustrating to be a Louisville Cardinal fan. Because you don't come off of that game energized now. And then you've got this next stretch, which only gets harder for the most part. I think we have one game that North maybe, Carolina State. May, well, and they're not bad. They could step up and beat us if we can't put points on the board. No, no question. It'll be at Papa John Cardinal Stadium. Where, homecoming. Yeah, where Bobby Petrino has just a great record. So you would think the Cards should be able to to beat North Carolina State, who, despite being four and three overall, they are actually zero and three so far in, in the in the ACC. But gave Florida State a hell of a fight. They did. I mean, exactly. You know what I'm saying, like, yeah, they're, almost, they're not that bad of a team, though. You're right. You you talk about. I think we talked about several weeks in a row, the parody in the SEC. I almost feel like it's close to the same. Nobody is really getting blown out in the ACC this year either. All the games have been close. A lot of teams, i.e. Virginia, that shouldn't have beat teams, i.e. Louisville, are able to knock them off. And then you think Florida State was supposed to be like this prima donna, you know, powerhouse, and they're not looking as good anymore. Well, they obviously are dealing with their issues in Tallahassee. (laughs) And... Issues that could be, I mean, this could destroy their athletic program, not just their football program, well, not just James Winston. I feel like it could destroy their athletic program because they're just now dealing with it. Well, exactly. Well, and, yeah. If they if they dealt with this back in 2012, then we're not even having this conversation today. Well, and but the if you know if they came out and they suppressed a legal investigation, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, this, <clears throat> this is not a school that has the greatest reputation of being above board anyway. You know, um, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. And it's really interesting to me, and this is, I wanted to wait till Ashley got here. Florida State obviously plays Jameis Winston right off the bat. They don't sit him like Georgia sits Todd Gurley right off the bat, which to me is a very interesting kind of thing. But Florida State knows if they don't have Jameis Winston, they're better off taking their chances right now and trying to win with them and hopefully think everything works out because they're not going to win without them. Probably not. And Georgia's got, as we saw yesterday. They've, they've looked better <laughs> without Gurley. I mean, I'm exaggerating. but They, they look pretty good against they a look, good opponent. They look perfectly fine uh, without their... One of the maybe a, what is Gurley going to be a top five NFL draft pick and probably at least a top three front runner for the Heisman. Will he be now? No, he was. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, obviously he won't be. He's out for the season. Man, no, to, the to me the Heisman Trophy right now is going to Dak Prescott in Mississippi State because okay. that kid is freaking we, amazing. We haven't even got to who would have thought that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks into the college football season, there's a very strong possibility Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Are one and two in the country? Mm-hmm. Or how about the fact that a Mississippi State-Kentucky game might be the prime SEC game in the country in two weeks? It, it, what kind of world are we living in? I, I woke up this morning and I was watching Sports Center, and one of the analysts said, Mississippi State does not have a cakewalk ahead of them the rest of this year. And he started lift, listing off teams, and he included Kentucky on that list. Their next opponent, because they got a bye week. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm just... From that standpoint, I'm ecstatic. I think you know, Kentucky wins yesterday. They go five and one, and I know you know you can say whatever you want to say about who they've played. This is only the like seventh or eighth time in school history they've started a season five and one or better. Okay, so this is for Kentucky uncharted waters as far as that goes, and uh, five and one feels good no matter what. Just like if you're a Louisville fan, five and two. Should feel good, but five and two sucks right now. For five, in some regards, five and one could be six and zero, oh, and five and two could be seven and zero oh for both these teams. Yeah, you know, really easily. What I want to know is how y'all got Alabama off your schedule. They're in the West. <laughs> no matter you played them last year. Yeah, they, they rotate who you play. Mississippi State is the so they play one team from the other division every year is like your interconference. Rival, and that's Mississippi and State. And then every the other person, because you only play two teams in the West, every the other opponent rotates. So instead of Alabama, they got LSU. So they're going to LSU next week. So that's going to be uh, at night. LSU's down, but playing at LSU at night, it's, you know, it's like playing at Clemson. So sure, it's a tough, tough environment. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. Plenty to talk about this morning. We would love to hear what you have to think about, whether it be the cards. Or the Cats. Kentucky looked like they were going to, early on, it looked like maybe Kentucky was in for some kind of an upset. Yeah, they looked terrible. And, mean, and then you turn around in the blink of an eye, they score, what was it, three touchdowns? 21 points uh, like within the matter of like three or four minutes. And, um, and they never looked back. They, went, they scored the first three points, then gave up two touchdowns, and then scored four, uh, 45 straight. And uh, looked pretty impressive doing it. They did look like they were... Uh, you know, going through the motions early on, and then uh, credit to Stoops for getting those guys fired back up, and they got a big defensive, got two big defensive touchdowns, um, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, they might lead the country in 
because in def- in interceptions return for a touchdown right now. So, um, you know, again, both defenses are playing really well for UK and UofL. They got a lot to be happy about. I, it's looking to me like I could have been totally wrong because I was completely against having the UK UofL game last game of the season. But this year, at least for this year, it could be a whole lot of fun when that comes down to that last game of the season. We're both in legitimate conferences now. Yes. It's a new day for football within the state of Kentucky. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. Will either the Cards or Cats hit a slump over the next few years? Maybe. But there's no reason that you can count either of these teams out from being in the mix for being nationally relevant every single year from this point forward. So they've got the game set up for the last... Last weekend of the year, rivalry week, and we we get we have that to look forward to. I mean, that's uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for the Cards, they've got a, some big opportunities before then. I mean, hell, they got the defending national champions, Heisman Trophy winner, Florida State Seminoles, and Jameis Winston coming to town, and they're going to Notre Dame. So if they win either of those games, I think Louisville season could be looked at. As a success. Is it going to be the, the season that I, just being honest, I heard some Cards fans saying 10-2, and 11-1. I swear, I'm not exaggerating. I had a couple buddies who said undefeated. Just being honest. I'm not going to call them out by name right now, should I? Tyler Boyd. No. I, no. <laughs> Don't get no, Tyler started. No, Cards fans. But, but you know, it, it happens, so... I mean, is, is Louisville season going to be a disappointment? Or if they win one of those two games, is it all of a sudden a success? The window we kind of put Louisville season in was the 8-4 and four to 10-2, and two, right? And it looks like the 8-4 and four is probably still very possible. Sure. I mean, truth of the matter, 5-2 and two is really not that bad. It's no. not. But at the end of the day, we're looking at the potential and also looking at what it's going to look like next I, year and the year after that. Um, so I think, do we need to give them a break? Yes. Do we want to? Absolutely not. Why? Because we think we could be winning these games. Of course we can. It's hard to watch a team lose when they're giving it away left and right. Seven or eight wins with this offense is incredible. That's a freaking miracle. Without Devontae Parker. Without Devontae Parker. Without Teddy Bridgewater. With a suspect offensive line. With no running game. Very suspect offensive line. with With two quarterbacks that want to give it away to the other team. Like they were Christmas presents. I mean, it's very impressive. We got to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned to the weekend sports buzz. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502 384 1450. We will be right back. Yes, I understand that every life must be end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. I don't know why they've been lying, but you're not that inspiring. Make it can't stay mentioned. Look like I'm ready. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I am Kelly Patrick, joined alongside Mike Gandolfo and the lovely Ashley Miller coming at you from 10 till noon this morning, talking all things in the world of sports. We would love to hear your input on the cards or cats or NFL, or even Major League Baseball, if that's what you want to talk about. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. Give us a call. We are going to head to the Buzz Line now. we got our man Carolina Steve on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Carolina? 
Car- Carolina, are you there? Yes, I am. As a matter of fact, I'm calling you from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wow. How, how has your experience been this weekend in, in in South Carolina, Carolina? Well, I went down to see Clemson in uh, Louisville yesterday. Yep. We remember you telling us. I tell you what, that was the greatest atmosphere for a football game I've ever been in. They got a place right across the street from Death Valley. It's called the Esso Club, and it's an old Esso service station they turned into a sports bar. And we spent the morning there. Then we went and watched the football game. Best defensive football game I've seen in a long time. It's the first time since 2007, I think, that Clemson has not scored an offensive touchdown in a football game. And there you go. I mean, Loyal's defense is... I mean, looking really strong. It, the offense is just terrible. Yeah, something that told, that was indicative of where Louisville is, to me, was the fan reaction after Clemson beat them at the last second. And you could tell these football-crazed Clemson Tiger fans realized that this was a big home win for them. Carolina, what did the Clemson fans think of, of the Louisville Cardinals football program? Well, they were impressed. Uh, the, the Louisville fans and the Clemson fans got along great together with the tailgating. I was down there with some people I knew from Louisville, and they uh, they, they 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 were with uh, Clemson people. And it's just I tell you what, the biggest thing was, you know how uh, Coach Petrino had disrespected the Valley for the noise and everything. Nothing was said before the game started. And whenever Clemson <coughs> arrived in the buses and Dabo stepped off there and rubbed the rock and got the team ready, and when the team came down, I've never heard a football stadium as loud as that one. There you go. And it was loud during the whole game, too. Uh, but, uh, Joe Shad from uh, ESPN says the loudest football game he's ever done. Wow. So that's what so Louisville it, has in store in so the it, ACC. It uh, you know that uh, Clemson's Deshaun Watson got hurt and didn't get to play, uh, play with, uh, like, one quarter. Mm-hmm. He, uh, they're operating on him. He uh, fractured his finger. He's out five weeks. But they brought in their uh, offset, uh, the guy that's their backup quarterback. He has a pretty famous father. <laughs> his father was Cliff Stout. He played for the Steelers. And so he he did a good job. And the amazing thing about him, he hadn't taken snap all week because of a sore left, sore left shoulder. And the offense probably looked better under him than it did under uh, under Watson for the quarter. Yeah, well, here is uh, the thing before I go. I want to tell y'all, he was in the paper this morning. I, we heard it last night on the postgame show. Is that... Uh, the Clemson defensive coordinator knew the play that Petrino was going to run because he had studied Petrino's Western Kentucky, Arkansas State, and he knew they were going to run the sprint week with Gardner uh, having the option to pass or throw, and they set up the defense for that, and he ran the play. So that, that was some, uh, you know, uh, one of those good things. It was a good game. It was a tough game. Either team had to lose. And I tell you what, I couldn't get an unranked team and Clemson stormed the field. 
Yeah, that was amazing. After the ball game. I, I need to know something. It, it was good, and I enjoyed it. I'm on my way back. Uh, we're going by Wofford uh, when, uh, when we leave after year eight. We're going by where the Carolina Panthers train uh, for preseason and everything and look at the, those facilities. Did you do the – I'll have a good – oh, at the w- Carolina, did you do the doubleheader? Did you do the doubleheader? Here's has the best high school football players I've seen. Have a good day. Carolina. I wanted to know if he hit the NASCAR race after the football game. Like, if he made it a true doubleheader weekend because NASCAR was in Charlotte. So, uh, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, my question is, who is the number one team in the country right now? Florida State, has Florida State looked great? This year, and now that they got these Jameis Winston issues, they haven't looked great all season. They haven't looked. I mean, I don't think they have looked really all that outstanding. I I think you can. Clemson was close with them, right? Yeah, but they didn't have Jameis Winston either for that game. They had that kid, or, or at least for the first half, right? Yeah, it was for the first half. Regardless, though, they did, you're right. They haven't. No, they have Remember, he didn't play the whole game. He didn't play the entire game. That's what it was. Yeah, they, they started they, off they, with they, yeah. Half. That's right. Yeah, they did. You're right, Ashley. So he, they didn't have Winston at all that game, and he, that kid that they put in there was definitely not a very good backup quarterback. So that, that, that's an impressive win, but but you're right. I, I, I think Mississippi State should be number one. I think they will be. I don't know who should be. I think that Mississippi State, when they when do they announce the, the polls? In a couple well, hours? A couple hours. It's usually like almost right after our show, actually. Um they, it very well could be that Mississippi State and Ole Miss are the two best teams in college football right now. They're playing like it. I would say pretty consistently, too. So you got the undefeated teams we've got right now are Florida State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Baylor, and Notre Dame. Because we had a bunch of uh, of uh, undefeated teams lose yesterday. TCU lost, Arizona lost, and Georgia Tech lost. So we got those, those six. Um, and I could make a case. I don't think Notre Dame should be one, number one, even though they're you know obviously my – my favorite um, team out of that whole bunch. I mean, Baylor, Baylor offensively can have a, a case to be number one. I mean, I would actually say out of that grouping, a Florida State, a Florida State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Baylor. That to me, Florida State would be number four. Yeah, I agree. We'll see in about an hour. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. The phone lines are really filling up right now. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have a concerned fan. How you doing this morning? Well, not doing too good, guys. How are you all? Oh, doing pretty well. I'm just kind of concerned about the game last night. I mean, we played one decent team in the last three years, and we beat one, Florida, and then we just lost to Clemson. What are we going to do? Are we ever going to get to the level of real football? Well, I mean, again, defensively, you can't, you've got to be encouraged about the defense is able to keep you in ball games. I mean, let's let's start there. Oh, defense this, defense that, Mike. Defense this, defense that. It's all about Bob Petrino. Bob Petrino is just not performing like we wanted. Bobby's back, Bobby's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not working. I have a feeling that this concerned fan might be a Kentucky fan in disguise. What do you think, Kelly? I don't know. Concerned fan. Do <laughs> you want to address those allegations? No. <laughs> Anything else you want to get to us this morning, concerned fan? You, you think Bobby's been a disappointment thus far? Is that right? Very disappointing. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, I, and you, I don't know if it's Bobby. Again, I, this 
last year Neil Brown had to deal with the same thing where he had did not have the tools that he needed to run the offense he wanted to run. And uh, I just think that, that without Teddy there and without Devontae Parker there, there's just they don't have that next playmaker to really step up and be be the guy that they need. So. Thank you very much for the call, concerned fan. We're gonna keep the show rolling here. We got the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line filling up. We're gonna head back to the Buzz Line where we have our man, the myth, the legend, the truth. What an introduction! What an introduction today. Truth, are you ready to talk basketball yet? Basketball. What about <laughs> our football team? That's what I want to know. What about your all football team? The football team. But yesterday, Indiana football team is getting better. It's, we're not ready to kick the ice yet, but we're getting better. I think if it wasn't for that Missouri win, I think I think Wilson might be on his way out. You think he is for real? If it, I, no, I think the Missouri game probably bought him another year. But they still haven't like uh, taken that next step. To me, um, the loss to Bowling Green, and I think they were good enough to play Iowa closer, and they never should have lost to Maryland. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I, thought, I expected them to be better this year. I got something to tell you. Did y'all hear about Jaquan Lyles? How about Jaquan Lyle? Yes. Is he uh, in trouble? He he cannot play basketball. He had to go to a prep school in Florida. He had been missed. Uh, Oregon Ducks put him off the team, so he's going to a prep school in Florida. I had not heard that yet, so I will look into that and see what's going on. That's uh, it's unfortunate that a young man needs to get um, needs a positive break in his life for sure, and uh, a guy that needs to just kind of surround himself in a situation where he can be successful. So. Hey, and I heard that Indiana got a big commitment uh, coming Tuesday. Okay, we'll see who that is. I haven't heard that yet, so we'll f- we'll see who that is. The boys from Fort Wayne, Indiana. All right, I'll look into that one too for you, Truth. Okay. All right, good stuff there from Truth. He's wanting obviously after Indiana had a loss to Iowa, twenty-nine to forty-five yesterday. They're zero and three, and what we can all agree is a down year for the Big Ten. But we Indiana was supposed to be getting even better, you know. I mean, this is not a for them to make that next step. They should they should be beating a team like Maryland, in my opinion. Um, or and, and they or should Iowa. Get, yeah, and Iowa they definitely shouldn't get blown out by Iowa, which is basically what happened. So, Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. We actually had a. Everything just lit up in front of me for a minute there. So we had a couple people who were calling in, didn't get through. 502-384-1450. Give us a call back. We'd love to hear from you. We got the NFL today. We're going to continue to make our picks at the end of the show. Mike's been tallying our score each week. I think he said that last week Ashley and I tied. Mm -hmm. And shocker, the guy tallying the score won. (laughs) By one game. By one Do game. you need a, thir- a, a third-party auditor or something? Yes. Well, I'm going to need to get Brandon Lawrence to review those files. <laughs> that's, that's fine. So, we uh, but uh, all the three of us, all of us are, uh, you know, we need, to start, we need to start betting or something, man. We need to start gambling, you know? <laughs> because all three of us are doing outstanding as far as that goes. Very exciting to see how good our picks have been. Um, the game on the NFL schedule that kind of intrigues me this week 
is it doesn't seem like Las Vegas still has a lot of belief in Dallas. Because Dallas... Which is wild. We, they're going to Seattle. I, so honestly, they, I think nobody really does. Because if like even my myself personally, I just haven't... I know every time that I pick them, I'm like, uh, I have to pick Dallas. <laughs> but, I mean, it's going to take a while for them to throw off the shade from several years of really bad football teams. But should they be an eight-and-a-half-point underdog? I mean, they are playing Seattle in Seattle. Should they be an eight-and-a-half-point underdog? I don't think so. After the after the the games they've won so far. What do you think, Cal? No, I, th- I certainly don't. I think their defense is much improved. I think Tony Romo is having a finally having an opportunity to showcase that he is a talented NFL upper echelon NFL starting quarterback. And that's be- when Demarco Murray still leads the NFL in rushing. And that's the reason, though, right? I mean, uh, entirely. Yeah. It, without a running game, with if you go into any game, I don't care who you are. If you're Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and the opposing defensive coordinator says, "Guys, all they're going to do is pass the ball." We know what they're going to do. You get to play a certain type of defense that is conducive to a lot of turnovers that basically makes you look sloppy. And Romo's having an opportunity. I'm actually a huge believer in Tony Romo. I wouldn't be surprised if he won a, court, won a Super Bowl before it was all said and done. Uh, Joe Flacco, <laughs> Eli Manning, gunslingers like that, when they spread the field, they can throw the ball downfield, they have weapons, Des Bryant, Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams having a great year. And uh, when you can do that, even if you're prone to turnovers, I think you you bring a different element to the game. And it wins Super Bowls. I cannot disagree with you. I mean, I think they've got the pieces they need to do. The defense, to me, has been the biggest surprise is how quickly they've been able to turn that defense around. And it, it looks like those guys, all the offseason comments about how they might be the worst defense ever in the NFL... They took it really personally, and they went to work, and um, they've, they've put together some really, really nice schemes and been effective. With all that being said, the Legion of Boom and the Seattle defense is at, unreal. at home is the reason Vegas has an eight-and-a-half-point line in favor of the, of the Seahawks. So it sounds like everyone's picking Seattle for that game before we even get to our... I'm, I'm going to pick Seattle, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely be picking Seattle. I mean, we'll we'll breeze through that again, but... If the Cowboys win this game, talk about a statement for our yeah. man Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney, um, and his Dallas Cowboys, America's team. If they can go in and beat the defending Super Bowl champions in what is considered to be the toughest environment that... I can remember existing in the NFL. Am I exaggerating there? I mean, there's probably more parity this year than there's ever been. But that, that Seattle defense and the passion behind what that Seattle fan base brings is, is, incredible. is, is off the charts, really. It's college football-like. It is. As far as the atmosphere goes. We, we have a market cornered here in Louisville with the University of Louisville and their athletics. We don't have any professional teams to compete with them. It's opposite there in Seattle. They got, what is the name of their, their soccer team? Uh, I don't know. I'm, you're asking me an MLS question? I am. But Seattle Sound or something? Sounders? Something like that. They, they are, have far and away the number one attendance numbers every year. And the same goes for their football support that they give. And they're also competing directly with the University of Washington. 
I mean, it's not like... Okay, so it's not like... Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, but still, the, the fan base and the passion there is second to none, according to everything that I've heard, according to the numbers. Every way that you evaluate it, that Seattle fan base is at the top of the game. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Brandon's a big Cowboys fan. He's a huge Cowboys fan. How much does he, what does he think about this game today? 4.25 p.m. on Fox. Probably have, who, Joe Buck, Tom, Tom Brenneman, maybe Troy Aikman covering it. They'll definitely have Troy Aikman out there. Troy Aikman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> recent comments made by Tony Romo actually made some waves this past week where he said, you could argue Jason Witten's the greatest Cowboy ever. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of I didn't see that. Kind of bizarre. Emmett Smith, even Larry Hall of Famer Larry Allen. So, all sorts of storylines across the NFL. This whole season is a in entirety has been one that's like your Bengals. Almost has a black eye. Oh, oh, you bring up my Bengals. Yeah, they had a very disappointing showing last week against the Patriots. Listen, to, let me just say how much. I am upset at the Bengals right now because the only way that I lose my fantasy football game is if the Bengals let the Patriots kicker get like 15 points and the guy ends up getting 19 points because of how many times uh, New England was able to get into a scoring position either in the end zone or get them in field goal range. I they went from how, we we were talking about how washed up Tom Brady is. We were and how I, terrible the New England offense is and how great the. The Bengals' defense is. About how good-looking Tom Brady is. Oh, we certainly covered that. He's no Derek Jeter, but... Oh, no, he's oh, no Derek Jeter, but still. Me. No, but I took <laughs> I, I took the bait wholeheartedly, didn't I? Yes, yeah. you revealed some of your man crushes. No, aside from that. Oh. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> that's not any big and secret. And Katy Perry. Yeah, that's not, those, are, those are no secrets. But I was all on the Bengals are going to beat the Patriots bandwagon last week, wasn't I? We all, all, all yeah, three we of us all picked the Bengals. We, we all three picked the Bengals. We rode off Tom Terrific a little too early. And I was probably giving a little too much credit to the Bengals and Andy Dalton. And I forgot that their specialty is, and I hate to sound like a negative Nancy, their specialty is building up expectations. And then when the stage is the biggest, they flop. Mm. 502-384-1450. We'd love to hear from you. Regarding anything we're talking about this morning, whether it be NFL or college football. The last thing I really want to say about the NFL is the Colts played Thursday night. And we're basically, we're in a, would you say we're in a Colts market? Yes, I would. All right. I didn't even know the Colts were on TV Thursday night. I, have t- I didn't either until um, I was actually just randomly flipping through channels and came across it. Is the NFL exper- experiment of having a Thursday night game a failed experiment? Because it just doesn't seem like anyone really cares about Thursday night NFL. I mean, the ratings are t- not as good. No, they're not as good. But I, I, I have a feeling that some accountant somewhere says, oh, yeah, it's a no-brainer. We're diversifying. Nobody, nobody's watching any other NFL games that time. And, and why well, not spread it out? You can't watch every single game every Sunday. Do you know what's happening on Thursday night? Some pageantry? Scandal. Scandal, okay. <laughs> Everyone in America watches Scandal. Okay. And now you Should have I be that. watching Scandal? Absolutely. Both of you should. I've seen a little bit. I've seen Scandal a little bit. Um, if, you think, like, if you ever are on social media on Thursday night, starting at 9 o'clock, 
All you're going to read about is Scandal, and then there's a new show, How to Get Away with Murder. So those are the two shows everyone watches back-to-back on ABC on Thursday night, and that's been like a religious thing up until, I mean, well, I guess for the last couple of years. I mean, I I was literally Thursday night, right before the ball game, it's like, oh, crap, there's a football game night. I don't even know who's playing. I need to check my fantasy line. Yeah. I do that every Thursday. And it screwed me because I didn't get, um, I wasn't able to change my running backs out in time. And, you know, it just, I don't know. It just, to me, it's like the, the Thursday night game seems to be so much on the back burner where Sunday and Monday night, Sunday all day and then Monday night is really where football lives. I'll still contest. I bet it's profitable and some accountant somewhere says, oh, yeah, there's no way we don't want a Thursday night game. It diversifies our product. And it it brings us additional revenue. So I, I, my gut feeling, based on nothing other than my gut, is that Thursday night games will be here for the foreseeable future. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the Buzz Line now. We have a man on the line with us who has great interest in the 425 p.m. Fox Sports matchup of the Cowboys. In the Legion of Boom, the Seattle Seahawks. How you doing this morning, Brandon Lawrence? Hey, what's up, Kelly, man? How y'all doing? What's going on, Ashley and Mike? Good what's morning, up, Brandon? Sunshine. <laughs> Cowboys are getting no respect, yeah, buddy. Everything's cool. Hey, man. Hey, Kelly. I'm actually in. We're actually in Seattle. Um, and it's like it's like quarter to eight right now. Um, and uh, when we flew in. It was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of cowboys in the, in the, at the airport at SeaTac, Seattle-Tacoma Airport. So it was cool. We're looking forward to the game today, man, when the cowboys officially take over NFC dominance. He called it out. He's calling for the NFC dominance to swing from the NFC West to the NFC East and have the Cowboys be the dominant team in the NFC. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but I definitely think they're being disrespected with this line. <laughs> well, look, I mean, hey, Mike, I think the disrespect, disrespect is well-deserved. The Cowboys have stuck for like 20 years almost. So this is the first opportunity since 2006 to redeem ourselves from that uh, horrible playoff performance. And Tony Romo messed up the snap for the extra point. You know, it took us into doom and despair. After years of 8-8 eight and eight football, you know, the Cowboys. But they need to get not only get in the playoffs, they need to, they need to get in the playoffs and, and win, a, win a game or two for sure, I think. I mean, I think that's really what the goal needs to be for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. we got to get in the playoffs, and we have to win a game. We've got too much talent. Like you guys were talking about with Terrence Williams, um, with Dez, with uh, Murray, the offensive line is clicking. The defense is cool, even though we lost Sean Lee. Uh, hey, and nobody's talking about Orlando McClain, who everybody gave up on. He's playing outstanding football. Some, sometimes you just need a switch in defensive strategy for someone like Orlando McClain to to really shine. Yeah, a former very highly touted early first round pick. Finally coming to fruition for that Cowboys defense, which, Brandon, let's be honest, they were terrible last year. Well, yeah, we were terrible. Um, we, 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 you know, we switched over from, uh, it was great to see them 
kick, uh, kick, uh, what's his name? The, the Ryan guy, Rob Ryan, but the ex defense coordinator, uh, in New Orleans. You know, we just switched over schemes, man. Rob Marinelli's better. The defense is easier to run. You don't have to think as much. And these guys are just playing and flying to the ball. I, I agree. No question about it, Brandon. Before we let you go, anything else you want to chime in on this morning? Uh, I think everything is great, but I will say I got to I got to disagree a little bit with Carolina Steve, and and maybe maybe uh, maybe Mike a little bit about the assessment of Clemson game, and and Ashley might be upset about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. UofL is a great is a great team, okay? But you come on, man. The, the tradition, the game, the game changed when Sean Watson went out of the game. When the when the freshman quarterback for Clemson went out of the game, the, the tempo changed, everything changed. The Clemson was kind of holding on for their life. UofL is going to do it, but they got to run the gauntlet, man. Notre Dame, Florida State, NC State took uh took uh what was the Florida State to the limit for a second. So you know, I don't know. I, I think I, this is the first time <clears throat> Kentucky's bowl chances are looking better than U of L's bowl chances. Wow. It might sound crazy, but I believe it in my heart. Kentucky's going to win that last game against U of L. Okay, Brandon, have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ashley takes it one game at a time. That's what we hear over here. Ashley only takes it one game at a time. She's only compared, she's only concerned with the Wolfpack right now. So. Uh, but so you're trying to are you trying to say that you don't think Louisville's defense was necessarily all that outstanding? It was more that Clemson had to get very conservative for what they could run with the quarterback that they had in the ball game. I mean the defense. I don't disagree with you, Mike. The defense you about set the tempo, but but I think that it's easier that kid uh, Watson is a little is a little bit more athletic. Uh, he's a more seasoned quarterback than Bonifant. Um and 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 it, it had an effect on the game. Well, I, I don't disagree. I don't you think know. there's any question that if I had to choose between Deshaun Watson and Reggie Bonifant, who I'm going to take. I mean, I I uh, I don't disagree with that one bit. I just thought Louisville's defense, uh, and of course, you know, I'm a Kentucky fan. Uh, Louisville's defense, when Deshaun Watson was in the game, to me, still looked outstanding. But of course, over the we don't know what happens over the course of four quarters if he stays in the ball game or not. So. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I don't disagree with you. But look, man, hey, I'm going to keep on listening to y'all. And uh, go Cowboys, go Big Blue. And wh- hey, what about, what about, why don't they divide that Kentucky team up, Mike, and have both of them, both the, top, both the starting fives in the top ten? That would be historic. Both of them in the final four. What are you talking about? They'd both be there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm, I'm being blasphemous. So I apologize. <laughs> hey, but y'all have a good day. Hey, we're gonna keep on listening. Keep doing y'all thing, man. Later. All right, man. That's all. We're getting we're getting listeners on the West Coast. So, um, Brandon J. Lawrence. Have in, you all talked in about Seattle. that yet? Did you all talk about that in a few minutes before I got here? I'm sorry. Talk about what? The UK Pro Day. No, we haven't talked about that yet at all. Season Pro Day. We we haven't talked about it, but I can guarantee you one thing: every Kentucky fan I know has either texted me about it or somehow I've heard them talking about it. Is how many, Mike, I don't even know, how many scouts were at University of Kentucky's Pro Day? 
We might as well get that out of the way. Well, I'm, I'm a, I mean, you would think that every single team. They said there were 90 people there. Yeah, I mean, you would think that every team's going to have a, at least one representative, and some teams are going to have multiple representatives. Well, what else are you going to go see if you're, I mean, how genius. Again, to me, the great college coaches dance in the gray area. Okay. And this is dancing in the gray area, right? He's taken the, the ways the rules are, are modeled, and he's putting this out there and putting it together. Getting it on ESPN, I mean, from a of recruiting it's on standpoint. ESPN. There's nothing else going on with college basketball. Why wouldn't they put it on there? Exactly, though. But, he, I mean, that's what makes it whole, the whole thing genius, right? He takes advantage of the situation. The key, the key ingredient to that genius move is assemble the most talented on paper roster, top to bottom, in the history of the sport. But then you, when, you do that, and then you're able to tweak and do this and, and make a – what did he say in the middle of last year? He made a, a, a was it a tweak? Yeah, that was the word. He said a, a tweak, tweak. A yeah. tweak. And, and then anything you do when you have this much talent, yeah, I would say about John Wooden, genius. Well, the key ingredient to that genius for Phil Jackson, genius. The key ingredient is you have Michael Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe on your team, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all that. So you're right. The key, though, is Calipari brings in just ridiculous levels of talent. And he's been doing it for years, and he doesn't show any signs of losing momentum in that department, in my eyes. And then this is just helping him. And this is, make no bones about it, this was a recruiting thing. This was to show the recruits in the country, this is what I'm going to do for you to help you get to the league. Because we can say all this stuff to these kids. These kids, they win a national championship in college, that's great. If they do whatever in college, they want to get to the league. That's it. That's what they want. No question. Ashley? Uh, no question. Um, it's it's disappointing as a college basketball fan. But, I mean, that takes us back to the whole conversation of how long kids have to stay in college and play basketball before they should go to the NBA. And that's an NBA issue because I totally agree with that. a college issue. I mean, well, I think the – well, it is an NBA rule that has to that would affect college. But Adam Silver has, has toyed it. with the idea, right? Yes, they've been talking about it. If the NBA guys didn't take him, they wouldn't go. Well, if they had the same rule that football does, where you have to play three years in college or yeah. be at least a certain age, then that would change everything. It certainly would. Well, uh, I mean, without a question. I mean, and uh, would Cal thrive in that scenario? Yeah, I'm sure he'd be all right. Uh, Rick addressed. Yes, he would be okay, but it wouldn't be like it is today. It wouldn't be the same. I don't think it would either. The kids wouldn't be flocking to go to this one school that's known as a one and done place. They would be. It would be spread out a little bit more equally across the country. Mike, what do you think of that? I, I think it would definitely would be spread out a little bit more. I think though he he would. I, I I don't think the landscape would look much different than it does now. John Calipari plus University of Kentucky would still be successful. Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. that's fair. I mean. <laughs> It's tough to argue with. Rick Pitino addressed some interesting stuff in his press conference this past week. We only got a minute. Do we really want to get into all this right You're now? You're right. We're going to head to a break. <laughs> You're right. Because I, it could, this could take the rest of the show. You're right. Thanks for the reminder there. At the other side, we've got the 11 o'clock hour, which means Ashley's Loco Cinco. So be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the weekend sports bus.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought in by some James Brown. I feel like we could just have this on in the background our entire show. I agree with you. I love James Brown. I love James Brown, too. Who doesn't love James Brown? Did you all see the movie? I have not. I need to. I what? want to. I, I didn't see it either. You know, oh, did, my gosh. That kind of flashed in the pan, did it not? I mean, it was kind of it kind yeah. of disappeared real fast. I, I wasn't it? out a long time, but I think when I went to see it, it had been out like a month, maybe. So How was, was it good? It? Yeah, it was really good. Like, I, it was so good, I didn't want it to end. I was really disappointed because I wanted more, but it's just because he has such a legacy. I think there's that movie could be four hours long. You could argue he's possibly more influential than Michael Jackson. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he did it first, and all the stuff that he... It's, it's amazing how much of music today has pieces of his work in it. And not only that, I got to see the guy live. You did? Oh, yeah. I did, too. Uh, it was unbelievable. And me, too. Maybe the best show I've seen. The best individual. I mean, he was it was probably, I think it was 2003, so he was up in his years. But I, I was just blown away. Yeah, it was incredible. How, what, where'd you see him at? Uh, on the Belvedere in, like, 1996. Wow. He, he came and did a free show for during Derby Festival time. Just so authentic. He's yeah. got these dancers up there, and he's got the announcer announcing he's coming up, and he just puts on such a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his music's great. We don't even need a show to enjoy this. Right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. James Brown is, is where it's at as far as I'm concerned. The guy, um, I can't recall his name right now, that played him in the movie, my gosh, he did such an amazing job. Even like down to how he, how he spoke. And learning like the moves and all that stuff, he did a phenomenal job. Same guy who played Jackie Robinson in Forty Two. Oh, okay, he did yeah. a good job in. I liked Forty Two. Yeah. Yep. He's also in that movie um, Draft Day. Is he gonna be the next Denzel Draft Washington, like Kevin- the next big African American movie uh, star? Kevin know. Costner, Draft Day. Yeah, yeah. He's I haven't seen that either. I actually heard an interview the other day with the producer of that. It was on a, in our, in the gym this week when we were working out um, in cardio theater, but. He's a kid that ends up going as number one draft pick that no one expected. He's good. I mean, he's really good. All right. Speaking of Denzel Washington, did you all see the, the his new movie? I, I haven't seen it. The, the the previews really make me want to see it. Yeah. You have to. I do need to. You need to. Have you? Yeah. I saw it this week. How was it? I took like a, a hiatus because I was like... Up to my eyeballs, and I was like, I need a break. Good for you. Good for you. It's kind of a throwback type thing is to go to the theaters and watch a movie. Yeah, it is. And and there's no (laughs) substitute for it, really. During the middle of the afternoon. That's awesome. What what was the other movie that we saw where he was a gangster? Um, Denzel Washington. American Gangster. American Gangster. And Training Day. And Training Day. What a great bad guy does he play. Yeah. But he's kind of a good guy, bad guy in this movie. Oh, he's a bad guy that you love. Yeah. That's what he plays. you cheer for him. Yeah. Is is that right in this movie? What's it called? Um, the Equalizer. Okay. Um, and the guy's name that plays James Brown is Chadwick Bosman, Bosman, something like that. But he's good. There he's we go. doing a lot of big stuff. Like you said, Forty Two, The Express. He's played a lot of sports um, characters too. The Express was a good movie. That was a good. movie. I haven't seen that. The yeah. Ernie Davis story? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I've seen the Ernie Davis. What was the original one? What do you mean? Ernie Davis movie. Oh, I don't know. This is the one where he would, won the Heisman was the Syracuse. You probably think of the same movie. 
Okay, they did a remake, though. Oh, they did? I saw the original. I haven't seen the remake. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. It's The Express, which was one of the greatest sports movies of all time, came out in... Uh, I'll find it here, but they, they remade it in 2008. Wasn't he... It was Jim, Jim Brown had something to do with that movie? I don't remember. Both came out of Syracuse, but regardless. Who would have thought we'd go on a spiel... All stemming from James Brown as the intro music. I know, right? We need some new music now. Do we? Yeah, the crazy music. <laughs> we do. You're right. Darn it. I missed it. What did I do there? I don't know. Something's going I can't on. sing it for you, Kelly. You know. Can you, Ashley? No. <laughs> and really, technically, we cannot start the segment, the number one segment across the state. Globally. Globally. The number one radio <laughs> segment there is. Without the, the intro music. They call it Ashley's Loco Cinco. Some, some call it Ashley's Crazy. You call it. Ashley's Crazy. <laughs> With no further ado. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. All right, we are ready for Ashley's Loco Cinco. Ashley, story number one. Story number one. A major fight broke out following Saturday night's Bank of America 500 at the Charlotte, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Is that the race we were talking about earlier? Yeah. yeah. Um, after Matt Kenseth and Danny, Danny Hemlin took offense. I don't even know how to say this guy's last name. Brad um, Keselowski's actions on the, on the track apparently... Um, it stemmed from Brad hitting Hamlin during the cooldown lap. Um, apparently, he just like sideswiped his car while he was getting out and taking his gear off. Um, so the two drivers had words after the race, and Hamlin had to be restrained. Kenseth, uh, Hamlin's teammate, uh, then chased down, chased Brad down, and that led into a big scuffle. They're teammates. The- yeah, so that there was a big fight afterwards, uh, which. Of course, led led to a Twitter beef. <laughs> um, so Denny tweets he cost us six spots, but what goes around comes around. And he said, "I showed my displeasure on the cooldown lap. Uh, I brake checked him, <laughs> and then Brad tried to wreck us." So um, they were saying that these the actions were out of character from the teammates. However, um, this was by far the most pissed off I've ever seen him. Uh, but again, apparently they, they race again this upcoming week. So they're asking or hoping that, uh, next week at Talladega Speedway that people have calmed down because it could otherwise be very interesting if you have one guy running around trying to wreck everybody. Um, I just thought that was crazy. Like that you would, first of all, those cars cost a lot of money. (laughs) So the fact that you would purposely. Your teammate. Yeah. Wow. If you would purposely try to hit somebody, and in a cooldown lap when people are unsuspected, so or not, they're not even paying attention, someone could have really gotten hurt too. Especially on the eve, not too long ago, we've seen someone get yeah. hit by a car, and 
dying. So what happens almost every race. That kind of stuff. Yeah, but Brad Keselowski, he's a hothead. He's a hothead, and he causes a lot of stuff. It's very uncharacteristic for Denny Hamlin Um, and the new Matt Kenseth. I think Matt Kenseth in his earlier days was a little bit more of a hothead than he is now. So, um, yeah, Keselowski is a very polarizing driver amongst the drivers of uh, of NASCAR. Which is good for for interest from from a guy like me. I'd like to see them adopt a hockey-esque approach to it. And if you have beef, simply just pull over. Just start beating the crap out of each other. Just right? let's see who's, I mean, I, wouldn't you watch it? I know the one one year I was at Bristol, and uh, Carl Edwards and Kyle Busch got into it. And as soon as they crossed the finish line, they just started going at it. You know, it was awesome. Awesome. So, All right. Story number two. Story number two, Shelly Sterling has trickled back into the news. Oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> um, apparently, she called 911 the moment she found out that Donald Sterling was home alone with yours truly, Bistiviano, and uh, told the operator, a woman she described as African black, had broken into her home. Um, this call actually took place on October 1st, but it took a little bit, I guess, to make its way into the media. Wow. Um, but Shelly said her gardener saw Stiviano going in a side door of the, of the Sterling mansion and that she was in a bedroom with Donald. Um, at the time, Shelly was in France, uh, while this was going on, but apparently she just repeatedly kept telling the operator that V was tormenting Donald and the police and the cops like immediately that's not tormenting <laughs> i'll tell you what that is is it's a good old-fashioned case of just love <laughs> yeah, exactly. just love Kelly. yeah what do you mean what are you guys laughing at those two are clearly <laughs> clearly in love head over heels in love with each other are they drunk in love kelly sure i mean it's just a very passionate love making going on in that room and honestly donald sterling wants to be you know the the first lady one day i guess the whatever the male because stiviano says she's gonna be president so didn't she come out and say that like after the whole thing came Did out? Did she say oh that? God. Yeah. So. How does that happen? I, I, the whole dynamic of having a, a being married and having just a mistress like that, and then obviously she just tried to ruin him. I was going to say a mistress that just basically tried to ruin your whole life. I mean, God, what were they talking about? And was she recording it? I hope so. Right. Because I'm ma- sure that video will be coming out soon. Did he make her strip down to see if she was wearing a wire? Maybe, maybe he was. I, maybe I, I, I'm sure he should have. Yeah, he probably made her strip down. I don't know if it was for the wire thing. But, you know. All right. Well, that's good stuff. Hopefully, that Donald Stor- Sterling and and Stiviano that continues to provide us with entertainment because it's entertaining. Coming to Bravo soon. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Reality show. I'd watch it. We've got to put that on regular. What could we get Donald? So can watch what could we get Donald Sterling to say if we got him drunk or something? <laughs> There's no telling. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Story number three. Story number three. Katy Perry um, apparently is getting some major support for this whole playing the Super, t- Super Bowl halftime show uh, without being charged, which I think we maybe talked about a little bit a couple weeks ago that apparently the Super Bowl charges uh, these entertainers to perform. Sure. So apparently um, a couple people, c- including 3-6 Mafia's DJ Paul, <laughs> stepped up. Saying that uh, he's thrilled for Katie, claiming she's the perfect fit for the big game and um, hope it, it skyrockets her career to another level. Um, he says that 
if you play the Super Bowl, that's a lot of money. You're reaching a whole new fan base, and it would be great for her career. Um, but he also says that if the NFL is considering charging acts for um, their halftime show, that Katie deserves a pass because she shouldn't be having to pay anything. She's already big enough of a star. He says, let her do it for free. She's hot. Start charging next year. Sure. Um, <laughs> they also talked to... Also, yours truly, sir, makes a lot who agrees <laughs> and wants to see Katie perform uh, free. He also said that he wished no artist would pay them to perform there. Um, and he said, in fact, if they're going to charge, just do a concert on another channel with Katy Perry, Jay-Z and Beyonce. And everyone will be watching that while a boring effing band plays the halftime show for the Super Bowl. He's got a point. I he mean, does have a point. I mean, seriously, why would why would those people pay to play the Super Bowl? It's really not going to be a big bump for them, unless you were the washed-up bands that they brought. They've been bringing back for a while. You know, they would bring back someone who's like the Rolling Stones. They brought back who Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, but but those bands, Bruce Springsteen and uh, Rolling Stones, still demand a very hefty price. Absolutely. for tickets, and they're very. I bet they're making more money than they've ever made by them not charging the NFL. They're they're basically paying to do the. Super Bowl show. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because right. so, otherwise, they'd be making a crap ton of money. If they got, if they filled any other stadium with that many people, how much money would they walk away with at the end of the day? Right. It's a business negotiation. There's just black and white numbers that come into play. And whatever those negotiations lead to, I'm not going to complain about it. Anybody who complains that Katy Perry is not paying to be on the Super Bowl halftime show. I don't understand where they're coming because from. Because she doesn't need to. I, mean, no, I guess you think to. you think that anybody that... Play the, devil's advocate with me. Anybody that would be star quality enough to headline a Super Bowl halftime performance does not need another <laughs> fan base. Like, they yeah. already are big enough in their own right, i.e. Bruno Mars. They've had Beyonce. They've had Janet Jackson. They've had... Who was, who was last year? I don't remember. Uh, oh, last year was Bruno Mars. Yeah, right? I was going to yeah. say it was Bruno Mars. I remember coming but in here talking about But you think of like all of these people, they don't need to perform at the Super Bowl. They don't need the exposure. They don't need the exposure. So why would they pay? You say that Bruno Mars doesn't need the exposure. However, he was in Louisville a couple weeks ago. For Ali. Okay, is that what he it was? He did a, a concert here as a benefit for the Ali Center. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I, what I noticed was he didn't play in the Yum Center. It wasn't that kind of show. Yeah, no, it was a. What do you um, mean? It wasn't a show. It was like a fundraiser. One of the best acoustical venues in the country. No, it was. It like, wasn't a show that needed that. It was like a, a high priced, like a super high priced, intimate experience mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was the money. the predecessor to the Ali Humanitarian Awards, where they brought yeah. all of the celebrities and um, people from all over the world to get different types of awards um, from his. Foundation, I believe. It wasn't like a stop yeah. on his concert tour. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he's done that already. Yeah. He's played the Yum Center. Okay. Don't try to hate on Bruno Mars. I'm not Haley. hating on him. I like Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. He's, he seems like a little party animal. I remember a couple years ago. Do you got- have a man crush on Bruno Mars? <laughs> and he didn't tweet you back. Is that what we're getting No, some- I like Bruno Mars. I remember a couple years ago he got caught in a bathroom with some Coke. <laughs> no, he did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh gosh, I didn't hear that. That's not either. why I like him. But yes, it is. No, <laughs> he apparently likes to party. All right. Story let's, number let's four. Let's move on. Story number four. Boxer Jermaine Taylor. Uh, Woohoo! He won. He, yeah, he won. But he, apparently, he didn't just admit that he shot his cousin back in August. You can hear him. I guess the the nine one one tapes just surfaced this week. 
um, and he was warning the cops to get to the scene before he kills them. So um, there was a call made to 911 by the champ's wife back in August when she told authorities that her husband had shot an intruder who was on their property in Arkansas. Um, she says, we had some intruders on our property, and moments later you hear Jermaine saying, I shot one of them, better come get him before I kill him. So the cops eventually got to the scene and arrested Taylor for first-degree battery and aggravated assault. Um, cops believed that Taylor shot his cousin following an argument and that he wasn't truly an intruder. Um, apparently the case is still pending and no charges have been filed against him and no court date has yet been set. However, like you said, he was allowed to fight this weekend and for the IBF middleweight title and won. So, One of the greatest boxers of the of the from 2000 through 2010 really dropped off. He's only 36 years old, so he's actually younger than Floyd Mayweather. It's just that Floyd Mayweather is an exceptional, is aging just, and, and Bernard Hopkins. Some people just age better within the sport. But but Jermaine Taylor trying to make a run at being relevant in the 160-pound middleweight division again. I guess he was involved in some, some type of violence. I, I mean, that's what happens with fighters. We found my knockout hour show before this one. That's just, if you're a fighter or even an NFL player, if you're a warrior, you lead naturally toward violence. You do. That's just, that's just what happens. I just wonder how the cops concluded that he shot him after an argument and not, they weren't really intruding into his house. But I guess you would just, would you just assume that your cousin wouldn't be breaking in your house? I don't know. Or what? Because I just was watching a story last night on the news. Well, not on the news, but it was like one of those, um, like, biography things. It was talking about Wayne Perry. Do you remember him? Mm-mm. He was like the black hit man. He was, like, going around killing people. And a guy kidnapped his nephew for ransom. Okay. So he was like, here, you, I'll let you kill this kid because I know you're trying to kill him anyway but pay me this much money and I'll give them to you. So I don't not believe that somebody's cousin could be breaking in your house. I don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're asking someone to leave and it's on your property and he has documentation that he was saying leave, right? Right. Well, I mean, the wife is the one that called the cops and said, hey, we haven't had intruders in our house. And she said intruders, like there was multiple. But but he said... In the background, he, he says, I shot one of them. Yeah. You better come get him before I kill him. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. I, I don't know. I don't know. Story five. So I know you guys have heard about this whole University of Georgia, Todd Gurley. Oh, yeah. Situation. Mike mentioned earlier he wanted to hear your take on it. Well, apparently there's they found out that there is someone trying to shop video and pictures around that they claim they have showing him illegally signing memorabilia and... Um, of course, we know that's what triggered his suspension. So apparently what is has been found in the media is that the footage supported, or reportedly shows Gurley seating inside his car, signing various helmets, pictures, and jerseys. Um, there's apparently photos from two separate autograph sections, both that happened fairly recently. Um, the people connected to the video and pictures are saying, that Gurley was paid to sign the memorabilia, which is in violation of the rules. Um, and he was paid just shy of $2,000 for the two sessions. 
Um, also told that UGA officials contacted the people that are shopping the footage around, um, but it's unclear whether or not the people are cooperating with investigators or what. But basically, no one's really talking right now. And I think that's interesting. It's interesting on several fronts. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that's interesting is Georgia is able to, um, you know, he's suspended from the team until they figure out what's going on. More than likely, um, he won't get suspended for the rest of the year based on the Johnny Manziel thing, and there's no if there's no evidence of a paper trail of money being done. But Georgia is allowed to provide him with legal counsel, which I find interesting because is that not an extra benefit to be able to give a guy legal counsel? Yeah, it, it seems like it would be. It depends on that NCAA rule book that says you can't have two cream cheeses on your bagel, but you can have one. And you can have full legal counsel. So Yeah, so <laughs> who knows? are cheap, right? Who knows what the hell that rule book based out of Indianapolis says? And then the other thing that was interesting to me is it's, it's obviously going to bring back to the forefront the issue of these kids, uh, as far as should they be compensated in some way or not compensated in some way. And that's a whole other discussion that just brings up so many issues. And, and to be honest with you, it's, to me it's not clear-cut one way or the other. I I'm not the guy who says they get a scholarship and that's them getting paid because it's not the same thing for me. And they they get all the basic necessities of life taken care of them while they're there. They you know they they get all kinds of clothes and food and books and stuff like that. But if you're poor and you want to have any kind of normalcy of life, you have no way of making money. You cannot be a Division One athlete and legally go out and get a job. Nope. Bus tables at a restaurant. Right. Because you, you don't have time to do it. That's impossible. I don't think well, you're. It's allowed. not. You're not. You're not. According to the rules, not allowed to go get a job. And even if it were not in the rules, yeah, you don't have, have time. time. How can right. you be expected to maintain a good, a good academic career while also you. doing whatever Rick Pitino or whoever it is is making you do for the athletics and working twenty, fifteen, twenty hours a week, even so you have a few pennies to go out and eat some food. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because I mean, I, I mean, I play Berea. And that's not near, like, I mean, I think our practices were pretty demanding on top of the already demanding academic um, challenges at Berea. There's nothing like playing under Rick Pitino or Cal or anything like that. And we only had to work at Berea. Every, every student has a job. You have to work on campus. You have to work at least 10 hours a week. And that was hard enough to work 10 hours a week in that, with that schedule. So imagine trying to work playing for a patino, trying to make enough money to pay all your bills. And then that would be like my um, number one like solution to the whole thing would be allow them to get some sort of, you know, work study thing for where they got at least five, ten hours in a week. But then you don't want to take those opportunities away from the kids who legitimately need that, the regular student who legitimately needs that to pay for school. Right. And then you uh, – but you can't let these guys go out and get a job at a – a local business because you can't control what they're getting paid. Yep. And you can't you can't pay everyone. But if if you were a hot shot chemistry student mm-hmm. who made an important discovery inside the lab, inside the university, you would be able to profit off that. Yep. And you would be able to so in some ways they're not able to be treated like a normal college student by not allowing them to go out there and make any money. Right, and it's unfortunate. And if you put $1,000 in front of a kid who's 
Poor. Poor, because most college And I don't know who Gurley is, by the way. I, I, mean, I don't know. You think most kids in college, you give them $1,000 to sign anything. I don't care. Do it. I don't care if you came from money. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, your, par- your parents, if they're paying for your school, they're not saying, oh, yeah, just go out and do whatever you want to. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you the ultimate, the ultimate form of, in my opinion, the ultimate form of you getting what you deserve is someone paying for your signature. So, I mean, Todd Gurley, very interesting situation. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502 384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Tony on the line who has questions about the girly situation. Tony? Yeah. I want to know why, why you get a whole game. Why you get a whole game suspension or something. Benzel only got a half like he did before. Different thing. He didn't get suspended. Georgia pulled him out. Georgia's being proactive because they don't want to lose their season. Well, they said... Um... They suspended him indefinitely. Georgia suspended him, right. not the NCAA. Not NCAA. The NCAA suspended Manziel for the half a game. It's the same thing, though. To a degree. They even have Manziel on video. Yeah, but they don't have him on. The difference is they don't have him on video, or they don't have a paper trail of him receiving the money. It's not illegal for him to sign autographs. It's illegal for him to get money for it. And and we all can speculate and know that these kids are probably getting making money for signing those autographs. So they're signing if they're signing eighty to hundred things, or they're making money off of it. But that's not illegal for them to sign autographs. It's illegal for them to profit. And until they can prove the profit part, they don't really have a whole lot to, to go well, off of. Profited or not? What's that? How do we know whether he profited or not? Exactly. We that's no why. That's why Manziel got a half a game. Because they couldn't prove he profited, and so he, in some regards, he probably shouldn't have gotten anything. And in Johnny's case, I don't fully believe he he signed knowing that if he had to sit out the whole year, it was probably better for his draft stock. Yeah, and he didn't really care. Thank you very much for the call, Tony. Have a great rest of your weekend. So, good stuff there from Tony, and it brings up a good point. I mean, the whole thing just, in my opinion, leads to if they're going to make a rule. They should just say you're not allowed to sign an autograph. What does that do when they get out of the uh, get out of college? It makes the autographs worth even more. Yep. I, I mean, what what would that rule do? Take away the fan experience of the little kid who wants to, you know, when you have those fan days and all that other kind of stuff, and it really. I don't know. I, I, I suggest that as a rule. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is just a, a the rule horrible needs to be... situation, and it just filled with all sorts of contradicting rules that don't make any sense. You've got to find a way for these kids to be able to make money if they need it without them. This is the slippery slope. Without them being open to, you know, going to not even having to show up for a job and still collecting a paycheck because that would happen. It would. Well, I'm going to and I'm going to interject and say that these kids that are making so much money for these schools should never be in a position where they need money. That's just my thought. But the problem they is, should never be struggling. They should never be hungry at night. They should never not have money to put gas in their car when they're making millions of dollars for an athletic program. I just think that's wrong. Or the NCAA in general. Yeah, yeah. But the wrong. problem is, is that doesn't help your women's soccer player. Well, you know, and that's they don't make they don't bring in as much money. And yes, that's not fair. But it's that's, like that's it should life. be. It should be. Um, so you, you as a woman, would be in favor of basically. Pissing in the face of Title IX. Pissing. It's not pissing in the face of Title IX. It's giving people a percentage of what they earn. That's I, fair. It's, nah, it's, it's, this is the interesting thing because she's the Democrat and I'm the capitalist, and we're taking the opposite 
the opposite end out of it. I mean, because I'm just um, saying they should get something. If you, you, you are, give, if you right. give them something, period. A cap, taking a capitalist argument and saying if you meritocracy, if you earn something and someone's willing to pay you for it and you earn them money, you shouldn't walk away empty. I mean, you shouldn't not get anything. And I don't and disagree with that. I do not disagree with that. I don't know anybody who does, unless no. maybe someone in China or so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who who thinks that people who earn more money for their let's just quit the trade for their employer. If you earn more money for your employer, you deserve more money. Agreed. No, I mean I totally agree. I mean, if um, they deserve to be able to maintain a certain lifestyle because they are one of the elite of elite of what they do. You know, if you are the elite of elite of what you do, whether you're a college student or not a college student, you are generally going to be compensated for that and going to be compensated pretty well. So um, they need to be able to figure this out. And obviously it can't be a situation where athletic programs are going to be expected to add $2 million worth of payroll to pay every athlete on campus. It's not That can't happen. I mean, it just financially cannot happen. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they need to reallocate what they're doing with money because they're making so much money. There's no way that they don't they can't afford to. The colleges really aren't putting though. away. I mean, we locally our colleges make money. Louisville does. Kentucky, Kentucky does. Kentucky does. But nationally, that's that's the exception. It's not the rule. So then you're saying that a a Nebraska basketball player maybe wouldn't make any money. Well, how how yeah? What if you're the basketball player at let's just at Eastern Kentucky University? You wouldn't go there. If, if, you, if, if you could walk on at somewhere where you're going to make some money. But isn't that what people do anyway? It is. And it, it, money leads decisions regardless. But if you're, a, if you're a poor, broke kid and you got a chance at a college education, I shouldn't have said that, by the way. I'm sorry. If you're a, pro, if you're a, a broke kid in general and it leads what, what, to... What shouldn't you have said? I said poor black kid. Oh, okay. It should, it should not matter. That does not matter. I thought you said poor broke kid. But okay. um, if you are a poor kid... And you have a chance to get a free college scholarship for four years, then you should uh, immediately not have to worry about, um, you know, whether or not I'm going to a school that's big enough to pay me or not for my living expenses. Why shouldn't you have to worry about that? When, so because you're going to worry about it anyway. Yeah. Why like, you what, going what, to worry what, about? What's wrong with worrying about that and no, no, bettering yourself? What I'm trying to say is like you're trying to say that a, a Kentucky or a Louisville can be, be able to pay their kids, but a, a Western Kentucky or an Eastern might not. Correct. But the, the the problem with that kid is it going to be the same problem? If just because he's not well, I mean, I'm, I am I'm kind of contradicting my argument. It, a bit. It's it's all a a big circle that you want to go to the school where it's going to better you, and if they have more fan support, you're going to go play football for Auburn or Alabama. You'll make a little bit of money. You're going to lose your parity in college sports. You would lose your parity in college sports. We wouldn't have Gonzaga come out of nowhere like they did over the last 15, 20 years and all of a sudden be a power. You may not have Louisville come out of nowhere to an extent. So, I mean, it would impact the sports landscape collegiately, undoubtedly. Would it be best for the student-athlete? Yeah, I think it would. I mean, no one's saying they need to get a, a Kwame Brown-type contract to be a freshman at Louisville. You know, no one's suggesting that, are we? No. I think like they got like three grand. I mean, something like that, you know, to help them through the year. Something, something to survive. Yeah, something, something to get by on, so they're not. They can go on a date and they could pay their cell phone bill. You know, they can buy some nice whatever it is that has to take care of themselves. I mean, it doesn't even have to be extravagant to make sense, in my opinion. No, I mean it's literally just being able to go out and hang out with your friends on the weekend. Maybe they want to take a girl on a date. 
<laughs> so, I mean, uh, anyways. Out of the five stories. Out of the five stories. We still, we never go. It's 1136. We haven't picked our top five, our number one. So. Number two, the Sterling show, the Sterling show, uh, story for me is the weirdest. So It is weird. Yeah. Um, Gosh. I guess that that has to be has to be the top story. The just ster- because it's funny and it's quite entertaining. Kelly, what's your number one story? My number one story has to be the the just very romantic love story. <laughs> Donald Sterling, <laughs> Donald okay. Sterling, and Vivian Chavon, or whatever her name is. Yes, I mean, because Vistiliano. guys, because true love in the world that we live in just doesn't exist that often. And when we get to see it at that level, guys, it's beautiful. <laughs> We're going to head back to the buzz line. We got our man Tony called back in. All right. He's got a, a pretty serious take on the, the whole conversation we're having. Tony, how you doing? What do you have for us? Oh, I was going to tell him that's a lot. Are you there? That's a lot. I heard him say it's a lot that they use in slavery. You know, that is an interesting point because that's exactly when I was thinking about that last night. It's exactly what I was thinking about. When you give someone just enough to live, the gen- the basic life yeah. expenses, and then you're exploiting them for money, you're exactly right. The basic philosophy is slavery. Yeah, if, if, if I'm giving you a free place to live and I'm giving you uh, food, you, uh, shouldn't, why, why should I be trying to get extra benefits? Right. That's Ain't that the same philosophy as slavery? That makes sense. Tony, thank you very much There's for There's definitely calling back an, an oppressive... Have a great rest of your weekend, Tony. There's definitely an oppressive angle about that. No, and, and, and it, it would turn into a slippery slope if we start giving each athlete on Louisville's basketball and football program $3,000 a year or a semester, whatever it comes out to be, then a few years down the road, inevitably, they're going to say... We want more. Why would we not get... Why do we just get 3000 a semester? That would happen. We earn X amount of dollars. We can sit there with a calculator and determine what our worth is. Should Teddy Bridgewater make more than than Will Stein? Sure. Yes. But maybe that wouldn't be in the in the contract that they signed. So that, a very interesting call from Tony. Um, we're actually going to need to head to a break here. Good show going. I'm not I'm not straying away from the James Brown music. I'm liking Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Good j- jam here to go out. Be sure to stay tuned for more of the weekend sports buzz. Welcome back, welcome back to the weekend. Welcome back to the weekend's worst. You were cutting out there for a little bit. I don't know what happened. I was, yeah, just a moment. All right, you're back here. I heard you. So we're back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, it's that time of the week, Ashley, for us to make our NFL picks. I know. But we we got to touch on the Rick Pitino thing just a little bit. I mean, I don't want to get into a huge discussion, uh, but we also have to get to our picks. We, just too much to talk about this today. You I know? know, there's a lot. So, uh, that loco cinco just <laughs> went a little bit crazy. That's okay. You know, we talked about the girly thing, which I wanted to talk about anyway. So it really kind of worked out. The, uh, but the Rick Patino thing first, calling out Adidas uh, and talking about the disadvantage that 
Kentucky, Louisville has being in a D school over being a nice. I school. didn't think th- I did. I listened to it, and I didn't take from it that he was calling them out. I saw Kentucky Sports Radio and Matt Jones uh, perceive it that way and, and promote it as Rick Pitino calling out Adidas. Right. So how did you take it? I took it as he was speaking very factually. He was being very honest, which I believe it or not, many people laugh in my face when I say this. I love Rick Pitino press conferences because I think he's honest. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he's talking about injuries out of his uh, players, right? Yeah, something like that. I really do. I think he was being honest. Under Armour is making a run at being number two. Are they not? They just signed Kevin Durant, didn't they? No, they did not. They they failed. They tried. They're throwing a bunch of money around, though. Yeah. And so I did not take it that he was calling out Adidas. I took it that he learned from his previous mistakes, and he is now focusing his efforts on, and having success with it, on recruiting guys primarily who he actually has a chance with getting and acknowledging the fact. I mean, Rick Pitino's a guy who, when he came up after his career at UMass as a player, he went to the five-star camp. He's known, he knows the importance, and it's nothing new. He knows the importance of being involved with these camps and these summer leagues and, and shoe contracts and shoes. He knows that. But he struggled with it over the years, and I thought he was just being very honest. I, I, I loved the interview. I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't think he was calling out Adidas. I think he was calling out Adidas to have to step up their game uh, and give them a, a more of a competitive advantage, especially with the Under Armour thing, them taking over. If they if the Under Armour truly is becoming the second-place team, which I think from a basketball recruiting talent-wise, when you look at the top players, I would think that Under Armour has passed Adidas. Okay, well then, sorry to interrupt you there. What's the top? What's the the, the flagship brand for Under Armour? The the school, Notre Dame now. Okay. What's what else basketball wise? What's the number um, one? They have a lot of the small schools, but the Maryland, Notre Dame, or South Carolina, Auburn. But from a like a premier premier basketball program, that's what I'm looking for. They have yeah. not had one team step up the way that Adidas has. So although they're throwing a bunch of money around, and I'm not saying they're wasting money, it's a lucrative. Uh, endeavor to get in. I mean, there's ways to make money within the industry. Kansas, right, mm-hmm. is Adidas. Who else is Adidas? UCLA? Michigan. Michigan. Is Indiana. UCLA? UCLA. Okay, those basketball programs, Louisville, Under Armour doesn't have anything like that. Not yet. Okay, but I'm just saying, they are throwing money around, they're becoming relevant, and I think that what I took away from Rick's press conference was just simply acknowledging the reality that he struggled with in the past. But you don't think the reality was that Adidas is slipping, and they need a they need a look because beyond the, that relationship with all those schools you talked about, it's a product of the past of the year of what has gone on the years in the past. I, I talked with a buddy of mine a few years ago who said he would honestly take what's his name Mark Fox, the Georgia head coach basketball, yeah, over Rick Pitino because he thought Rick had just seen his later his worst days. Oh, I'm Mark not. Fox was up on the upswing. No, I, I'm talking in reality as far as who's actually relevant in college basketball. That's what I'm talking about. We're talking about from two different perspectives. You're going from the coaching perspective. And no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm using that as a, a drawing a parallel to you could see that Under Armour maybe is coming up and they're doing a good job, but in reality... They do have the best commercials. I'm just going to say that. No, they do. And they're very relevant. <laughs> but quiet. Very relevant. But... Was he also taking a I shot at Nike? I don't see them being that significant in, in the world of, 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 of college basketball. I don't. Was he? That's because before you become very relevant in college basketball, you have to become very relevant in prep basketball. Okay, that's true. What and I'm saying though is, I don't. It may happen in the future. It's not happening right now that I see. 
You're, you're more in, ingrained in the in the recruiting and the, the knowing which kids are doing what and stuff like that than I am. From my perspective, from a distance, maybe it'll happen in the future. It certainly hasn't happened yet. Well, the other thing that's interesting with the Under Armour perspective, which is, I think, flawed in the other two's philosophies, Under Armour's philosophy is not necessarily to send their Under Armour kids to Under Armour colleges. Then what is their philosophy? Their philosophy is more about, I want to make sure that I'm signing this kid when he becomes a pro. Because that's been the thing that's been really interesting. These Nike kids that go to these Nike colleges, when it's time for them to become pro, they sign with whoever pays them the most money. Yeah. They don't really work at developing that relationship personally with the kid. They do it with the program. And so they don't feel the allegiance once they just want to make the most money. John Wall, perfect example. And he had never, hasn't worn a Nike shoe in the NBA since he's been in the NBA. What does he wear? He wore, started off with Reebok, and now he's wearing Adidas. Okay. So the Derek fact, Rose, is he wearing Nikes? He's Adidas. Okay, yeah, he was a Nike guy in Memphis, right? Was Memphis? I don't know. Okay. Regardless. Yeah. I, I want to say Memphis might have been Adidas. But the, the, the reality is it's a very important topic to people who are in the job, who, who, to Kenny Johnson and to Rick Pitino and Wyking Jones and to Calipari. And you, if, if that's your job is to bring in top talent and that is their job, it's important to you. To me, honestly, it's just money. That's what talks. I'm not seeing it right now, Under Armour having passed. We say that Under Armour has passed Adidas. I still don't see it. I'm not trying to be uh, negative. Rick did say that, but that's almost trying to predict the future, in my opinion. And to me, he's like trying to light a fire under Adidas to get them to step up their game okay. and also try to call out the NCAA and Nike to try to really hone down and like the, the dominance that Nike does have right now. Okay. So, Do you see any of that happening? Uh, no, because Nike and instantly needs Nike's money way too much. So, um, all right, let's get into the NFL picks because we could have we could have a three hour show today without any problem, and we got to get to these picks. So here we go. The uh, first game here that's locally on television is going to be the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets on CBS. Denver is a ten point favorite on the road. That's really impressive to be a ten point favorite on the road. Uh, but they look the part to me. I, I'm taking Denver. I'm taking De- Denver also. Denver. Okay, so the other game locally at 1 o'clock, the fighting Teddy Bridgewaters with Teddy back, right? Teddy's playing today, right? Yeah, I just read that. So Teddy's uh, back in the fold for Minnesota. They obviously look completely different with him at quarterback. They are actually a two-point favorite at home against the Detroit Lions. Who I'm taking? taking Vikings. Ah, Ashley's team, the Minnesota Vikings now. I officially have a team, Kelly. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations. I'm a big Vikings fan also. I'm excited. I'll tell you what, Detroit's records are reflective of how terrible their kicker's been the last couple of weeks. They finally got a kicker now with Matt Prater coming to Detroit. I'm taking the the lines. All right. um, Who did you pick, Kelly? I I didn't make my pick. Where's it at? uh, It's uh, at Minnesota. Pick I, against me. I pick want against I, me. What? Pick against me. Last time I picked I'll take the, by myself. I'll take, I'll take right. the Lions. You're taking the Lions. Yeah. Ooh. All right. I, I got to think with sure my got to think with my head and not my heart. I need to take down Mike. Minnesota though was <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, then you wanted to pick against me. Uh, Baltimore at Tampa Bay. Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite on the road. Tampa Bay is terrible. Ravens. 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 All right. Baltimore across the board. Jacksonville. And what can be just a, t- a terrible NFL game is going to Tennessee. Tennessee is a four-point favorite. Titans. God. They're, both they these both teams terrible, are awful. So. 
God. Oh, if there's two terrible teams, I pick the one at home. Titans. <laughs> I'm going to take Jacksonville just to be different. And I have no love in this game whatsoever. New England, after their impressive offensive production, takes uh, goes on the road to uh, a, a, a decent Buffalo team who's hanging in games. And New England is at three-point road favorite. New England and Buffalo. Ashley. Patriots. Patriots. All right, Tom Brady. I'll go with Tom Brady. All right. Because of his looks or his play on the field? His looks. He's starting to come on my on my bandwagon. <laughs> uh, all right. The Bengals are at home. A seven-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, could be somewhat of a trap game. It certainly could be. Uh, so Bengals who, did not look good last week. Ashley, who you got here? I got the Bengals. All right. Um, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't believe that spread, but I think Bengals. I think the Bengals in a close one. Bengals. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Cleveland is actually a one-point favorite in this game, which I do not see. I am taking the Steelers. I'm taking Steelers. Browns. All right. Is that with your head or with your heart, Kelly? It's with my head. I'm an AFC North fan. Uh, I'm just, I just pick them you know, like they're going to happen. Green Bay is a three-point road favorite going to Miami. I'm taking Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay. No question about it. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. All right. Uh, the team in Washington is uh, going um, to Arizona. Arizona is a three-point favorite. I don't, or three-and-a-half point favorite. I don't think that's enough. I like Arizona to win and cover. Who's their starting quarterback? It's going to be Carson Palmer, actually. Is that is that official? Yeah, according to the NFL website, it is official. Mm. Okay. I'll go with the Cardinals. That's a tough one. If I stick with my system, I'm picking Washington. She's got her system. All right. <laughs> San Diego is a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite because they're playing the Oakland Raiders, who is terrible. And I don't see Oakland coming up with this one. i got to take San Diego. Same. San Diego. San Diego. They're looking good. This was the – of course, I've been picking Oakland to get their first win. So since I picked against them, this will be the one that they actually – It could happen. The NFL has so much parity. Uh, Chicago Bears are on the road to the Falcons, and if anyone can figure out the Falcons, please let me know. I mean, uh, they clearly got me last week, so... Falcons are a three-point favorite against the Bears, uh, but I really like the Bears here. I'm going to take the Falcons. God, that is a tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm going Falcons. All right, we're going to have some uh, interesting results. After results, this yeah. <laughs> All right, the... The fighting Brandon Lawrence's going mm-hmm. to Seattle, where they are an eight and a half point dog. I, I we all picked Seattle already to kind of win this. I game. changed right? my mind. You're gonna change. Really? I changed my mind. All right, you're going to Dallas. I'm going with Dallas. Brandon Lawrence. He, even you? though even though I uh, poo pooed you off the phone, <laughs> I'm going with your Cowboys. I would like to see the Cowboys win. I really would. Oh, I, absolutely, I'd love I, to see the Cowboys win. Why would you like to see them win? Because they're in the same division as the Niners. That makes sense. The Seahawks are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the you cannot like the Niners and like the Seahawks. For some reason, <laughs> I'm all aboard the Tony Romo, Romo ship. I drafted him in two of my three fantasy leagues this year, and I believe he'll win a Super Bowl before his career is over because he spreads the field. Uh, but I'm still going with the Seahawks. All right. The, the Sunday night game, Philadelphia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Giants. Uh, this, to me, could be a very interesting game, but I'm taking the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles also. God. Pressure. The pressure. I'm going to Eagles. All right. And then the Monday night game. My San Francisco 49ers 
who are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, going to St. Louis, which is going to be interesting right now because the Cardinals are playing the Giants in the Major League Baseball playoffs. So, okay. Yeah, it's kind of neat, huh? So um, it'll be interesting to see if they're playing. They actually, um, they might be, they're, they should be on their off day, I guess, maybe in that division. So uh, a lot of people are sticking around. So San Francisco 49ers, I'm picking the Niners to beat the Rams. Mm. You want St. Louis? Go ahead and pick St. Louis. Oh, don't try to peer pressure me. <laughs> uh, I'm picking the Niners. I'm going with the Niners. All right, so there's our picks uh, update. So last we were all you all were nine and five last week, and I was ten and four. Again, unbelievable results from our our picks. Uh, this is the first time though we've not been up against the break. We actually got still got a little time left to go. What game are you looking the most forward to today, Kelly? Oh, it's got to be my Bengals. You're looking forward to that Bengal game, which they're they're without AJ Green, but I believe this team. I don't know why. If we lose, I'll probably j- completely jump off the Bengals bandwagon. They'll still be my favorite team, but this is a game that I believe they'll win. They've still got, despite being without Vontaze Perfect and the defensive uh, side of the, the ball, they've got a very talented defense. They've got Andy Dalton, Giovanni Bernard. I think they've got Mohamed Sanu, the wide receiver who can fill in for A.J. Green. He won't be the same, but I haven't been impressed with Cam Newton this season. I think the Bengals will win at home. It's not the same Carolina team, is it? I mean, that's as that looked so good last year, especially yeah. on the defensive side of the exactly. ball. So, um, Ashley, what about you? What game are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the Vikings game, of course, because I'm a new Vikings fan. Woo! But um, I'm just excited and eager to see Teddy Bridgewater back in the back in the game. I would love for Teddy to have another big game. Absolutely. And as a Bengals fan, it's, uh, does it upset you that the local TV stations pick up Minnesota over Cincinnati? Is that happening today? They're both on Fox, according They're to They're both show. on Fox, but I think that we, I think we picked up Minnesota. I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I, if that happens, yes, that would upset me. It does. So yes. I have to tell you all that. <laughs> this is interesting. That I just tweeted out my NFL picks, and then I got a tweet back from New Jersey something or another. It says, Ashley, you tweeted the NFL word of the day, Titans. You're getting a jersey of your favorite player. <laughs> what? Wow. Teddy Bridgewater. I know. That was easy. You you like purple? Mm, it's not really in my color wheel, but... What well, is now? It is now. <laughs> purple and gold. So, yeah, I mean, it's the Louisville television market catering to the Louisville football fan to bring in Teddy Bridgewater. If that's true, then I'll address it next week. Because the Bengals or the Colts should get that time slot. Or the Titans. I don't feel the Titans as much. No? No. Maybe certain Kentucky fans in certain parts of the state are more so into I think the number one fan base among Kentucky fans in this area are the Bengals or the Colts. Probably. Same goes for Louisville, in my opinion. I mean, there's Packers. you got everybody here. but you got every, Yeah, you have a hodgepodge of everything. And that's just what makes the NFL so great is it's, it's applicable to any, any region, anybody. Everybody has a team across the country. All right. Great are, show today. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're brought to you. By our man, Brandon J. Lawrence. We appreciate him giving us a call earlier. Give Brandon a call, 502-587-0041, to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Have a great weekend, and tune in next Sunday from 10 till noon for more of the Weekend Sports Buzz.